Now, you know, uh, child of God, that one of the greatest fears right now, of course, is the, the fear of actually contracting this virus and going through a physical battle, and ultimately for some, the loss of life. These are all realities. But the Bible talks about our deliverance from fear, just like we would be delivered from oppression. Uh, other than that particular fear, the greatest anxiety that people have right now is the anxiety regarding their finances. What impact is this going to have on their livelihood, on their job, on their retirement, whatever it is. So I'm going to go back to the theme of this year. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't seem like it. But we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we hear. We're not moved by what we feel. We're moved by the Word of God. And the Word of God still tells us this is a year of triumph for the child of God. In fact, the Scripture says that He always leads us in triumphal procession you know, in every situation. And I believe there's a special anointing to preserve you from this uh, physical attack, but also to preserve you from this financial attack. When it comes to lack, lack is just a condition that exists when demand exceeds the supply or there's a deficiency in quantity or amount. It means lack, want, scarcity, or insufficiency. But you know, God is the all-sufficient one. So when you look at the situation, you can't look at it physically like the world, and you can't look at it financially like the world. And there's no reason to be in fear or be in worry about this, because God is your God, and He has promised to take care of you. The Bible tells us that lack and scarcity and sufficiency are all under the curse. And aren't you glad today you've been redeemed from the curse? You are blessed by God Most High, and so you have to think differently. And at a time like this, there's a battle for the thinking. There's a battle for the mind. You've got to make up uh, your mind. You're going to think like the Word, talk like the Word, believe the Word of God, and walk around not as the cursed, but as the blessed. So it, it, you know, it really is important to look beyond the circumstances, beyond what you're hearing, beyond what you, you feel, beyond what you see, and focus on what did God say about these matters. You see, to the unrenewed mind, you know, they would say, but there's a pandemic, so we're all going to fall apart. We're all going under. Keep in mind that God's promises are not subject to nor diminished by a crisis or a pandemic or anything that could possibly happen. His promises, you know, aren't based on certain seasons or circumstances or times. His word and his promise is based on his own integrity. And the Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. He tells the truth, and the truth is he heals and he preserves, but he also provides. And one of the things you'll notice that in the worst situations in, in the history of the people of God, in the most dire circumstances, God would come through and show that he is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to his covenant. Just say it to yourself right now, my God is faithful to his covenant, and he is faithful to his people. You know Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not lack. Psalm 34.10, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Proverbs 13.22 tells us, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the wicked or the sinner is laid up for the just. Imagine that. You may not get an inheritance from a grandpa or great-grandpa, but you're going to get an inheritance from the wicked, from those that don't serve God. He is literally going to cause this end-time transfer. So no matter what you see going on or what you hear, make sure you're spending more time listening to what God has said in this season. What does His Word say about your situation? What does His Word declare about your financial well-being? The Bible tells us that 
God has systematically provided for his people and he takes it you know, in easy stages, but it's a graduated process. And once we have that ground, we're not going back. For example, in the land of Egypt, they had not enough. In the wilderness, they had just enough. In Canaan, they were going to have uh, more than enough. And by faith, you're going to have too much because that's the kind of God that you actually have. Now, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word. And if all you're listening to is what's going wrong financially, you know, the unemployment record, you know, how many people have lost jobs, what's going on in the stock market, what's happening in this industry, what's happening over here, as long as you're paying more attention to that than what God has said, that condition and circumstance is going to become a whole lot more real to you than what God has said. And yet his covenant and his promises stand. You've got to believe, just like with the prophet Elijah, somehow, some way, your God is going to take care of you. Now, I joked a couple weeks ago about a Charmin truck rolling by your house, and the door flies open, and there you go, cases of Charmin. But the reality is, your God is a supernatural God. He told the prophet to go by the brook. He went by the brook, and ravens actually fed him. He told him to leave there and go to a widow. You see, you think about that. In the middle of a famine, go to a widow to have some kind of substance. It doesn't make any sense at all. You know, God's provision during this time, it doesn't have to make sense to the carnal mind. It just has to make sense to the spirit man in terms of believing what God did say. So in your heart of hearts, believe him today that no matter what's going on, just as he can protect and preserve you from this virus, he can protect and preserve that second anxiety, that second worry, which is the financial consequences of what's actually going on. Go through a history in your mind. Go through the Word of God, and you will notice a pattern of God helping His people. No matter how bad the crisis, no matter how big the war, no matter how big the setback, He always turned it around. And it went like this, a war, a crisis, a loss, a setback, and then God's people always plundered in the end. God hasn't called you to worry. He's called you to plunder. And you're going to plunder in the middle of this situation as well. Abraham facing the onslaught of the joint task force of kings that came against Lot and those people. And he went after and he absolutely demolished them with the trained men in his household. And everything they had was plundered. But he wouldn't personally accept anything because he told the king, you're not going to be able to say that you made Abraham rich. No, God had blessed him and taken care of him. When Moses and the people left Egypt, they were laden down with silver and gold. Yes, they went through a crisis. Yes, they went through oppression but they came out plundering. That's what you're going to do. When Joshua was at Jericho, they plundered the city, dedicated that unto the Lord. And systematically, city after city, they won and they plundered. That's what God's people are able to do no matter what happens, no matter what's thrown at them, no matter what the opposition, they always in the end end up plundering and excelling and advancing. Right now, your faith should be rising in Jesus' name. God hasn't forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you are. Don't pay any attention to what's happening. Look beyond that and see for all of man's history, those that walked with him, those that honored him, those that served him, he took care of them. 
What about David when he returned to Ziklag? Everything was taken. The family was taken. Goods were taken. The place was burned to the ground. He inquired of the Lord, said, Lord, should I pursue? He did. And they got back not only everything taken in Ziklag, but everything that enemy had stolen and robbed from all the other villages and all the other city-states. In other words, it looked terrible when they got to Ziklag. The men were so upset they talked of stoning David. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. But David sought the Lord. See, that's what you've got to do when you're facing a Ziklag. In a lot of ways, this is an economic Ziklag as well as a, as a physical Ziklag. But the word of God tells us in this story that God turned the whole thing around. In the end, no matter what happened at Ziklag, they still plundered. You have a spirit upon you that is a spirit of faith and victory and power and love. You're going to overcome this in Jesus' name. What about Gideon's army? Do you know that 300 men ended up defeating over 120,000 soldiers? And what was left over were ornaments around the camels that were made of gold and precious stones and, and earrings and jewelry on all those men. They plundered, even though there were insurmountable odds that day economically, they came up on top because God gave them the victory and God gave them the plunder. What about the siege of Samaria where the lepers were standing outside the gate of the four? But they got up, and when they got up, the army of the Lord went with them. And guess what? There were, there were no soldiers. The camp was empty. They plundered. Even though they were under siege, even though there was a great famine, in the end, they plundered the enemy's camp because God is faithful. You need to rejoice. Is there a war, a crisis, an issue, a setback? Rejoice because on the heels of everything that ever happened to Israel, there was a plundering that followed. There was a massive provision of your God. So blessed was Solomon, for example, that the queen of Sheba came to inquire of his wisdom. And guess what she brought? 4.5 tons of gold. There was a time when Israel was in trouble. You know, they couldn't even get their act together. You know, the ark was stolen, taken away by the Philistines, and now David arrested Solomon's on the throne, and he's enjoying peace. And this queen hears of his renown and of his power and of his wealth. So what does she do? She brings 4.5 tons of gold, 144,000 ounces of gold, valued at today's market, $236,196,000. And guess what? You're Solomon's heir. You're not just Abraham's heir, you're Solomon's heir. Our mind has got to be renewed that God is bigger than what's going on right now. And there is a way and he will make it for you. Keep your confidence and your hope in him. There is no war, there is no famine, there is no setback, there is no crisis that can stop you from in the end plundering over what's going on in this situation. I think about when they left Babylon. I mean, who has given permission to go and reestablish your worship system and your culture? And then that king, actually, who is your domineer, actually writes the check to pay for it. Over and over again, listen to me, child of God. Every single time there's a war, a crisis, a setback, a bondage, they come out a plundering every single time. What about Paul and his shipwreck? He was on his way to preach the gospel, you know, and those that were in power. 
in the Roman Empire, and they're shipwrecked at Malta. Now everything he has, his scrolls, his clothes, his money, everything is gone. And so after a revival breaks out in Malta, and the governor is healed, and the people are restored, they send him on his way with an Alexandrian luxury vessel, a two-headed icon in the front. He has enough funds given to him for two years to pay in advance for his rent when he gets to the other side of the journey. Everything he needed to do what he, he was called to do, he had. Because despite the shipwreck and the crisis and the setback, he still came out a plundering in the end to do what God called him to do. Lots of people talk about, well, I'm just poor old Job. This happened to me. That happened to me. You know, I'm never going to get ahead. You know, one thing after another, it seems it happens to me. Well, if you're poor old Job, you need to claim the rest of the story of Job, where he got the double for his trouble. No matter what crisis, no matter what setback, no matter what famine, no matter what sickness or disease, at the end, God's people all always come out on top. And so are you. You're one of his children. You have a covenant with the Most High God through Jesus Christ. No matter what setback there is, you're going to come out a plundering. Put your confidence in the Word of God. Well, we do need to be aware that there are some key principles for us to follow when it comes to this particular principle. You know, you and I need to realize that there are some keys that will help us stay in position to actually do this. Some folks, you know, they go to church, they're raised in church religiously. There's some folks that they claim the Lord, they prayed a prayer one time when they were a kid, and that's all they've ever done with the Lord. Well, if we're going to live distantly from Him, we can't expect to be part of that camp that goes through something, but then comes out. See, that's the whole idea of triumph. If you understood the year of triumph to be, well, nothing's going to come against us. Nothing's going to somehow try to sidetrack us. Nothing's going to try to, you know, put us under or defeat us. You miss the whole point. You can only triumph after you overcome something. You can only triumph if there's an opposition, there's a war, there's a crisis, there's a famine, there's a plague of some kind. And we're not to somehow, you know, immune to this or somehow you know, uh, not subject to things that the rest of people go to. We experience things as human beings, but we come up out of them. We overcome them. We aren't defeated by them. Faith isn't a magic bubble, you know, that keeps you from any challenges. No, faith, though, is the victory. Faith is what gives you the ability to come up out of that crisis and then plunder and stand on your two feet and say, you know what, he did it again. He did it again. I have this thing I love to do with my granddaughter. I just pick her up and I literally let her just walk up my chest and up to my shoulders. And she loves that. Actually, she just likes looking around at all the stuff in the house. And I'll just look up at her if she puts her last foot up on my shoulder and I'll say, you did it again. You did it again. And she'll just break out laughing a big old smile from face to face because she loves to hear me say, you did it again. Well, you know what? That's what we need to say to God. You did it again. You did it again. Say it to somebody that's near you right now. He did it again. He he did it again. And I'm telling you, he's going to do it again in this situation because that's his track record. Some thought, well, I wonder what God's going to do. You never know what God's going to do. Maybe God's behind this. Maybe he's punishing us. Listen to me. God is not using the tools of hell, the devil, to punish God's people. Your punishment was taken by the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. That's why he came into that city was to sacrifice for your sin for mine. You now are in right standing with God. Enjoy that right standing. 
Enjoy what God has, has given you. And no matter what comes, he's going to do it again. He did it again. I'm telling you prophetically, you're going to stand you know, down here for months on the other side of the situation and saying to yourself and others, he did it again. He did it again because that's all he does with his people. Just one time after another, no matter what happens, he does it again. He causes them to plunder in the end. Well, how do you triumph? How do you set yourself up personally? Well, it's not too complicated. It's not that deep. First of all, you need to seek him in the midst of this pestilence. You need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Bible says all these things, Matthew 6, will be added unto you as well. Deuteronomy 28.1 tells us if we will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God, all these blessings, watch this, all these blessings shall come up upon us and overtake us. Not the curse, not the junk, not the nonsense. That's not for God's people. That's for people who disobey. That's for people who have rejected the Lord. You're one of his people. You're hearkening diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God. And all these things are going to come up on you and overtake you. You may look out there and see difficulty now. And I'll be honest with you. When I am out taking care of things associated with the ministry, there's a heaviness. There's a heaviness in the air. It's not just about what's going on in people's bodies. There's something going on in the atmosphere. Well, guess what? The Lord loves to show up and then blow all that stuff out with his Holy Spirit. There's going to be peace in the atmosphere and joy in the Holy Ghost by the time this is all said and done. But you personally need to be seeking him. Scripture tells us in 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. This is a time to make sure your soul is prospering. This is a time to make sure that you are right with God. All the things we have been seeking, this is a prime opportunity for us to reset our priorities and seek the Lord while he may be found. Turn from all the distractions and realize that you should do an inventory in your own life. How are things going between you and the Lord? I think that uh, um, you guys should have this video queued up. Do you have it up there? Yeah, okay. I want you to see this. This is a prophecy uh, that David Wilkerson gave back in 1986. Uh, several people were there when he said it. I actually read it uh, through their publication at the time. It struck me at the time how accurate it is today, long after he's with Jesus. I want you just to watch this for just a moment. But then some years later, about 10 years later, God visited him while he was fasting and praying, pastoring the Times Square Church. We've reached out to his son Gary and his daughter Bonnie to get the newsletter so we can give you verification, but me and Rich Wilkerson both remember it. And so the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Uh, I know Rich Wilkerson's not a liar. And the last I checked, you could tell the truth to go to heaven. I'm not lying. But I want the director to put this prophecy up. This is the first thing I wanted you to see. And the Bible says uh, that in the last days, that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And David Wilkerson, this is an exact quote from the newsletter, said, I see a plague coming on the world. And, and look at this. Oh, this is powerful. I feel the power of God shaking my body. Amen. And, oh, the bars, churches, and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers 
into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be upon the, the, the cry from the man of God, you that are men and women of God, in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. It's a powerful prophecy coming true right in front of our eyes. And yet I want you to see in that prophecy, you know, not God doing something, but God seeing something down through time and then planning to once again turn that around for his glory. There'll be prayerless Christians beginning to pray and repentance in and out of the pulpit. And this will be the thing that ushers in the third great awakening, the thing we've been talking about preaching about, you know, ministering about for decades, the glorification of the believer. So our mindset needs to be different, but at the same time, take heed what it says while this is going on to seek the Lord while he may be found, to turn to him with everything in you, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and seek the Lord. Re you know, prioritize your life, the things that have been so important in the past. Let them go and walk on with God. Come out of this season more on fire for God than you've ever been before. Come out of this season, more in touch with his will for your life than ever before. Seek him in this situation. Number two, serve him in the midst of this pandemic. You know what? You know, Jesus sent his ministers out and said, when you went out, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing, Lord. Well, this is a prime opportunity to demonstrate his ability to cause you not to lack anything in the midst of a terrible situation. But it's also an opportunity to be a blessing to others. People are hurting everywhere, and they are terrified. They're in fear over their physical well-being. They're in terror over their family, their elderly, their children. They're in fear over their finances and their financial future. You and I can be a, a balm of Gilead. We can be, you know, the anointing that brings healing and wholeness and soundness in the situation. We can be a practical blessing to them. We can intercede like never before. Seek him in this season, but also serve him. Make up your mind that that's why you're actually on this planet. Whatever you do for a living, wherever you go, you're primarily a servant of the Lord. And then number three, you need to sow to him in the middle of this situation. Jesus not some preacher, not some televangelist. Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure pressed down, you know, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. Second Corinthians 9 tells us that those that are generous givers, that are hilarious givers, quick to do it, that God gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. He's the one that supplies the ability to actually continue to sow as well as live off of this. You're going to be tempted big time. Listen to me carefully. You're going to be tempted big time to shut down on your giving, to shut down on your tithing. That is a mistake for someone who wants to enjoy the plunder on the other end of this thing. You need to be faithful and be steady. You need to make sure you understand that looking at the circumstances is not going to help you do what God wants you to do in this particular area. Reading in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you'll find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, to the place where it falls, there will it lie. And listen to this, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. What does that tell us? A lot of people are givers based on the circumstances, based on the weather. And I'll be honest with you, it's cloudy out there right now. There's no doubt about it. 
God. You could focus your eyes on the dark clouds, on the doom and the gloom and the despair. You could do that, or you can refocus your eyes back onto the promises of God and remember what he actually says. To those who honor him, he is honorable, and he, of course, is faithful. What does this mean? It's cloudy, but there's a 100% chance of blessing. That's what you need to see. Get your eyes not on the clouds, on the circumstances, but on the Word of God. And just keep on giving. Keep on sowing. You say, well, you know, I don't have to give because I'm not here. That's nonsense. This isn't about the church. It's not about the institution. It's about honoring God with the first fruits of all of your increase and setting yourself up on the other side of the crisis, on the other side of the famine, on the other side of the pestilence will be a plundering. That's how God works no matter what it is in God's history with his people. They always come out prospering and plundering the enemy in the end. You want to make sure that you're part of that group. You're seeking him in the midst of this pestilence. You are serving him in the midst of this pestilence and you are sowing to him in the midst of this pestilence. And watch what will happen. You will wake up one day and you will see that God is not a liar, that God does not say one thing and do another, that God is not using the tools of heaven and the curse to teach you a lesson. You're in this world, you're not of this world, but the things that happen, you have been given the ability to rise above them. Before judgment came on this earth, Noah was lifted up. Before judgment came on Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot was removed. And you will see that God not only can preserve you, but cause you to, to elevate above this situation. You know, instead of being sad and moaning and groaning and talking and complaining and murmuring, we need to start getting ready for the plundering. We need to get ready for what God is doing. Get excited. Wait, how are you going to do it? You did it with Gideon with 300 people. You took out 120,000 soldiers. You know, with this group over here, you did this with some unseemly person and some leader, some judge throughout his history. How is he going to do it? How excited is that? We don't have to know how he's going to do it. We don't have to have our confidence in men, our confidence in government, confidence in the system. Our confidence is in God. Child of God, faith comes by hearing. Get your eyes off the circumstances. Get them back on the Lord. Get them back on the Word. Be faithful to seek, to serve, to sow. And watch and see. You're going to be part of that, that team that finally realizes, guess what? The enemy is gone and the plunder is there for the taking. What must it have felt like to be Abraham after that great victory. What must it have felt like to be Gideon? They were so happy with Gideon, they wanted Gideon to be their ruler, but you said it's not going to happen. What it would have been like to have Ziklag burned to the ground, all your hopes dashed, only to get everything back and then some. That's your God. Your God is not a not enough God. Your God is not a just enough God. Your God is not just a, a more than enough God. Your God is a too much God. That's where your confidence and your faith needs to be. I want to pray with you in just a moment, asking God just to, to minister to your heart, to give you peace during this situation. He doesn't want you in fear over your physical health, and he doesn't want you in worry and anxiety over your financial health. So as the worship team comes back, we're just going to pray over this, and they're going to lead us in that course again and leave faith-filled today and continue to you know, manage that faith and continue to develop that faith in a hard place. Now, if you're near family, you can go ahead and just grab them by the neck. I don't think that's a problem at all. If you're by yourself watching on a television screen or Roku, you know, or on your phone, you know, as a point of contact, just touch something and get into agreement in Jesus' name over this situation. 
Father, we just uh, lift up your people today. And we just rebuke the spirit of fear. We've not been called to fear. We have a spirit of faith about us, a spirit of believing God that no matter what is thrown at us, in the end we come up over this thing and we plunder. We walk in victory in Jesus' name. This too, you will demonstrate that this is the year of triumph. In Jesus' name, before this year is up, you will prove to everyone that you have not forsaken the people of God and you have not forsaken this nation. Now, right now, I pray that everyone watching, everyone listening, that they would resolve in their heart in the midst of this pandemic to seek you like they've never done before, to turn their hearts to you with everything on the inside of them, to serve and love on you wholeheartedly. Father, I pray that they would serve you Look for opportunities to be a calming voice, a faith-filled voice, a hope-filled voice, a blessing, Lord, to others, practically and spiritually. Put that deep desire inside of them today to be effective in the ministry during this season, to step out in faith and make a difference in the lives of other people. Lord, I thank you, Father, that in this season, there are going to be sowers like there never have been before. There's not going to be a glitch or a hindrance or a punctuation of their giving. There's going to be dedication and consistency because we understand that it's in the consistency. That's where the power lies. So I thank you, Father God, when other people are screaming and, and yelling and murmuring and complaining, when other people are operating in fear and hoarding, their fist is closed. Our people are open-handed to those in need and they're open-handed to direct their giving according to your word of God into the storehouse. We thank you for that. Now, I thank you, Father. You are setting them up as they seek you, as they serve you, as they sow into you. They're setting themselves up to navigate this situation and come out on the other side triumphant, more than a conqueror, victorious. Because your word doesn't say you lead us in triumph unless there's a pandemic. You lead us in triumph unless there's an economic setback. You lead us in triumph unless something bad happens. No, you always lead us in triumph. And it's not a misprint and it's not a lie. And we believe that, Father, today. So I just declare in Jesus' name, the spirit of the overcomer on them right now, the spirit of the plunderer, they will not faint in their hearts, they'll not faint in their minds, they'll be strong and bold and courageous. And when the time comes, they'll find the enemy gone and the plunder just there for the taking. We thank you for doing that in each and every one of their lives right now. They're encouraged, they're filled with faith, they're filled with boldness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.